I'm your host, Chris Cooper, and today I'm sharing six lessons from the ultimate disruptor, Greg Glassman. Hey, entrepreneurs, are you working hard but barely seeing any growth? And if you do see growth, is it taking way longer than you would like? If you feel like no matter how hard you work, you always hit a ceiling when you're trying to scale, business is good is going to help you break through fast. I'm your host, Chris Cooper. I've been able to grow a 200-word daily blog into a $20 million worldwide business. I've actually done it, and I'm sharing my personal stories and details of how you can too. The key was to use simple models to grow fast and then teaching those models to others to help them scale too. On this show, I'm going to share those exact models with you. So let's dive in. Now, if you're not in the fitness business, you might not know who Greg Glassman is, but Greg founded CrossFit.com and he took this little tiny gym in Santa Cruz, California into this worldwide multi-million dollar brand with thousands of licensed gyms, hundreds of thousands of certified practitioners, and millions of CrossFitters worldwide. He disrupted a very crowded, very packed fitness industry in which Everybody was already saying there's nothing new under the sun and nothing is going to change this. Greg was the founder, but he didn't have a business background. Instead, he wanted to master the art of getting people better results. And he published a lot of media around that. I got to work with Greg first. I was an affiliate for about 14 years. Then I got hired by CrossFit Inc., the parent company, to work on the CrossFit Journal and the CrossFit Games and a CrossFit community page for a while. I was part of the CrossFit media team, and I was also part of the CrossFit foundation team. So I traveled with Greg and some other leaders in the company as they went about their giving measures. So they would run initiatives like CrossFit for Hope, where they raised money to build wells in Kenya. And so I traveled there and uh, raised money for St. Jude's Children's Hospital. And so I traveled there too. And over these travels, I got to pick up a lot of lessons from Greg. And I also observed many of these things over time, just being around the company. While I think if you're not in the fitness business, this some of the stuff might seem foreign to you. I do think this company is going to be an example that is studied in business and marketing schools for decades, both Greg and his leadership style, as well as his non-conventional growth in an overcrowded industry. Greg was a true disruptor, and I think these lessons are going to help any business. So let's get to it. Lesson number one, the next time I start a billion dollar company in my garage, remind me not to F this up. We were sitting at this pub in San Diego and as usual, Greg was buying dinner for dozens of people and they were all sitting in the dining room. There were no seats left. And so Greg was sitting at the bar with, I believe, his chief legal counsel, Dale Saran. And I got to sit next to them because I couldn't get a chair anywhere else in the place. And Dale was talking with Greg about some legal or business challenge. I don't even remember what it was at the time. This would have been maybe 2013 or 2014. And they figured they had made a mistake of some kind. And Greg just shook his head and said the line that I just said, which was, Next time I start a billion dollar company from my garage, remind me not to F this up. And the lesson there was that he expected to make mistakes. He really didn't, I don't think, ever expect the company to reach the size that it did. You know, that's a question for a biographer someday. 
But what he did do was expect that he was going to make some mistakes along the way. Greg was a confident guy, still is. And he had confidence in himself. He knew that he could grow a company, but he was more focused on the product of delivering clients results through an exercise method than he was in scaling this massive brand. And so he expected to make mistakes and he was forgiving of himself when he did. The next big lesson that I learned from Greg Glassman was losing focus for scope. And he taught me this lesson about the bricklayer. And this lesson came in about 2018. I was visiting him in Portland at his house and recording an interview at his kitchen table. And he said that the biggest challenge in growing a company was losing focus for scope. So he gave this analogy. Let's say that you're a bricklayer. After 10,000 hours of laying bricks, you can become a really good bricklayer. But becoming the person who teaches the other bricklayers is a different skill set. And you have to learn a brand new skill set. You have to learn how to coach people and you have to learn how to translate your knowledge into their brain. And then level up another level, becoming the person who teaches the people who teach the bricklayers is a completely different skill set. And that is very challenging and most people will never get there. And he described it as losing focus for scope. As you ascend from being the best bricklayer to being the teacher of bricklayers to being the teacher of the teacher of bricklayers, you lose focus. You lose tactile connection with the bricks and with the work, but you gain scope and you see all the practices of the best bricklayers in the world and you see what they're doing and you see how the industry is changing, but you still lose focus. And so there's a dichotomy there. You lose the the context of doing the job every day, but you gain insight into the whole industry. And while it is great to have scope, you also have to remain a practitioner so that you don't lose focus on your craft. Those are the words that keep me owning a gym today as one of my businesses and also why I'm able to blog through the eyes of the perspective of a gym owner because I am one. While I'm gaining massive scope on the fitness industry and other industries now too, I never want to lose the focus of my audience and and knowing exactly what they're going through at any given time. So that's why I still own a gym. And that was my second lesson from Greg. My third lesson from Greg happened just after I got hired. So this would have been late 2012 or early 2013. And he flew his entire media wing of his company which was massive to San Diego. And so we had video crews coming from Australia. We had writers coming from Europe and we had dozens of us all meeting up in this one hotel in San Diego. Greg didn't do anything halfway. I mean, it was a luxury hotel. We were all really proud to be there. We all had brand new CrossFit media hoodies. And the first thing that happened at that meeting was that Greg stood up and said, we are a media company. Now, this was a massive epiphany for me because I thought that we were an exercise company. We, were, we had a website that was all about fitness and we had the CrossFit games and we had sponsors like Reebok. But the reality is that we were a media company. CrossFit had the largest television studio in Northern California, and that's saying a lot. And the lesson there is that every company now is a media company, no matter what it is that you're good at, making donuts, cutting hair, driving an Uber, you are a media company. Back then, there were no easy platforms. And so CrossFit had to build its own. And so it built a production studio for video and it 
hired writers like me to write blog posts and journal articles. It hired editors. It had photographers on staff and a couple of dudes tucked in a corner office to do social media, which back then was just Twitter and Facebook. But the reality now is that you have a platform. You can choose your platform. There are so many. You can pick Twitter. You can pick any social media platform, but you are a media company. You don't need like the the red eye cameras that we had that cost $10,000 at CrossFit because you have an amazing camera in your pocket. You don't need to have the mics even that I have right in front of me right now because the audio recording on your phone is really, really good. But you have to produce media. You have to publish. Your business will not rise and fall on the level of your expertise. When Greg was a trainer in Santa Cruz in the late 90s, he was an amazing trainer, but nobody knew about him. He was getting some client referrals, but there's no way he could have built a big brand, even a multi-location brand, let alone a worldwide massive following without media. Media is really at the heart of every business now. Every business is a media company. And if you embrace that, your business will grow. I also learned a few lessons kind of the hard way. And in one lesson, uh, the CrossFit Foundation had been traveling around. And so I'm talking about like the board of the foundation. And we they had some media staff traveling with them. So that was me. I wasn't on the board. I was the media staff that was following these people around. And every year we would run a big fundraiser called the CrossFit for Hope. And usually we would raise a million or $2 and we would donate it to different charities. One of these was uh, Coins for Kenya. And so I traveled to Kenya and stayed for about 10 days and we built a school and did some amazing work over there. It was life-changing. And then later we went to Memphis to visit St. Jude Children's Hospital and we took some tours and we stayed for a few days and we met some kids who were recovering from cancer and some kids who were struggling from cancer. And it, it was extremely moving. But the problem was that in all of the media and all the promotion Greg had done, he lost money on the initiative. So Greg's practice was he would just pay for all of the media and, and you know everything that was required, all the travel to raise the money so that all the money raised would go straight to St. Jude. And the problem was that Greg figured he had put out a couple of million dollars raising money, but the money that he raised was less. It was like $1.5 And so it was actually a net negative. Greg would have done better just to donate $2 million straight to the charity. And he didn't regret it though. What he did was he called the media team and the foundation team into an office at CrossFit HQ. And he shared this lesson that I'll never forget. And he said, instead of spending a lot of money to raise around the same amount of money for a big charity, what we're going to do instead is find places where $10,000 will make an immediate and profound difference and then just give them the money. He had learned this lesson by visiting one of his gyms called CrossFit Cleveland with Bill and Stacy, who are the owners. And he met this woman there who I believe was a cleaner. And uh, the woman is cleaning the gym to pay for her gym membership. And so, you know, Greg talked to her and said, why are you cleaning the gym? And she said, it's the only way that I can afford to do CrossFit. And he said, well, why are you so passionate about doing CrossFit? And she said, well, I have a son and the son is severely disabled. He can't walk. He can't move himself. And so I need to be strong to take care of my son. And uh, so, you know, Greg talked to this woman as he would do for many hours, for, you know, a long time. And 
it turned out that the son mostly had to live in bed. And when he wasn't in bed, he had to sit in the bathtub because they didn't have a proper chair for him. And they didn't have a proper bed that would like help his mom get him out. So every day she'd have to lift him up and carry him like to the bathtub and carry him back to his bed. And so Greg said, well, what does a proper bed cost? And she told him, and then he said, well, what does a proper chair cost? And she told him, and the two things together were less than $10,000. And so Greg just, of course, gave the woman $10,000 and she bought the new chair and the new bed and, and her son lived a better life. And from that, Greg learned that $10,000 applied strategically can change the life of one person where raising millions of dollars and funding a charity while noble and worthwhile, it's really hard to measure its effect because it is kind of a drop in the bucket. And so what he taught me was find one place where $10,000 will make an immediate and profound difference and do that instead. And that has formed my giving philosophy ever since. If I spot a place where $10,000 or even $5,000 will make an immediate and profound difference in somebody's life, I jump on it. I see that as a massive opportunity. And really, this is the driving force behind growing my own personal wealth is to find more of these opportunities where I can make an immediate and profound difference. Another lesson from Greg was a little bit harder to learn. And this one was very disappointing to me at the time, but I had to learn it twice. And both times it helped me immensely. The first time we were studying using CrossFit to help people with cognitive challenges. So we had introduced CrossFit to a client with autism and seen incredible results. When combined with ABA therapy, this client was actually becoming more verbal and he wanted to exercise. He was exhibiting more self-control, just so many great benefits. And from this, I got really excited and we started collecting information, data, and putting programs together for kids with autism. And then that extended into kids who had had traumatic brain injuries. And we were putting this knowledge together and I presented it to Greg and we agreed that I could start CrossFit Brain. And so we affiliated another location as CrossFit Brain. We started building our program for brain rehab and cognitive development. And we talked to other people in CrossFit like Laura, who, who was doing amazing stuff with just tutoring after school. And we've made this great website and we actually published a book called Ignite. And while we were on our way to teach Ignite and CrossFit Brain to other affiliates for the very first time, we had sold tickets to this thing in Chicago. We were in an airport, we were flying to Chicago to deliver it. For the very first time, I got this call. And it wasn't Greg on the phone, it was his sister. And she said, you can't do it. You've got to relinquish the CrossFit Brain brand. You can't call this CrossFit Brain. And I said, what, Kathy, wait a minute. Like, what's going on here? We've done all this work. It's been a couple of years. We published a book. We sold tickets. Like, there are people waiting for me in Chicago. And she said, no, you need to go and build this on your own, prove that it works, and then come back to us. In that short-term time frame, and she listened to me. She let me vent my frustration. We thought that we were losing something. We thought that we were losing the CrossFit brain brand, and we thought that we were losing the money that we'd invested in the book and the audience and flying to Chicago and building the website. But what we were actually gaining was this amazing epiphany that instead of trying to just build something on somebody else's platform, I needed to build it myself, grow my own audience, attract my own followers. And if it was good, then come back to CrossFit. 
Because at that point, and this probably would have been 2016, 2017, CrossFit was so big and popular that anything they recommended would have had a thousand people sign up for it. They, they could have started a learn how to play guitar CrossFit certification. They would have sold 10,000 spots over the weekend. But the problem with that popularity and that trust and brand affinity was that it, was e- it would be easy for them to go wrong. So let's say that they promoted something that didn't ultimately work out or came under criticism. They would be exposing their own platform and potentially weakening the platform for everybody else that was growing and living on. Let's say that my program had injured people or harmed people. That would have affected tens of thousands of CrossFit trainers around the world. It would have taken away from the brand trust. It would have uh, caused hundreds of thousands of people to quit doing CrossFit because I had you know, placed a black mark on the brand. And so they were wise to take this away from me. I had to learn the lesson more than once though. And so years later, when I was doing business coaching and had been for several years, uh, I flew down to HQ and I was sitting with a lot of Greg's staff at breakfast, including a COO and a CEO at the time. And they were asking like, what is the number one thing that CrossFit can do for its affiliates? So I'll just back up for five seconds here. CrossFit affiliates are licensees. They don't ask the brand to tell them how to run a business and the brand doesn't tell them how to run a business and that's what they want. And so CrossFit though is always interested in helping its licensees and affiliates succeed, but they're not a franchise. And so they don't want to say, do it like this, or you must have an intake process like that. So what they were asking was, what is something that we can do that will help affiliates without coming across heavy handed and saying, you have to do it like this without being a franchise. And I said, I got a great idea, collect data. Look for ways to find out you know, what the average CrossFit gym is doing in revenue, how many members the average CrossFit gym has, uh, how, how many do the best have, how many do the least have, et cetera. You know, pick five or 10 data points and just track that, collect it, and then share it back to the affiliates. You don't have to tell us what to do with the data, but you have to make it available and you're the only ones who can. And the COO at the time turned to me and he said, Chris, that's a great idea. We're never going to do it. And I got really downhearted about that. You know, I went back to my hotel room and I got really mad. I was disappointed. They asked for my feedback. I gave it. They said, we're not going to do it. And then what I realized was that if CrossFit Inc. wasn't going to do it, the next best person to do it was me because I was doing business coaching for, you know, dozens of affiliates at that point, soon to be hundreds and later thousands. And so I was best positioned to collect this data. It was going to be expensive. It was going to take me a lot of time and work, but I did it. And having that data meant that I could help CrossFit affiliates and other gym owners a lot more. And it really expanded our growth. The interesting thing that happened later was that collecting this data while forced upon me became a massive differentiator between my mentorship practice, two brand business, and anybody else that wanted to enter the space. Because as we grew this data collection, We could speak from the authority of 16,000 gyms and everybody else who said anything different was only sharing their perspective of one person. So while we could say, yeah, the average gym owner is making $3,000 per month and the average gym owner can make that $3,500 a month by adding X, any competitor or any other business coach that wanted to enter the space had to say, that's not what I think, or here's my opinion. 
they had to share an N equals one perspective. Well, we had the perspective of data and nobody else did. And so what I learned from that basically was that every setback, every challenge in a business can actually be your greatest opportunity. Every bridge that you have to build yourself is a bridge that nobody else will have access to. And so while building the data set, just like building CrossFit Brain, forced me to take a step backward and make a big investment of effort and time. It was also a massive separator between me and anybody else who wanted to disagree. So, so far, here are the lessons that I've learned from Greg Glassman. Number one, perspective. You're playing a long-term game. You're going to make mistakes. That's okay as long as you learn from them. Second, every company is a media company. Third, find one place where $10,000 will make an immediate and profound difference and just do that. Fourth, don't ever lose focus as you gain scope. Do one thing to keep your hand in the game so that you maintain your focus. Fifth, go build it and come back to me. Prove that your product or idea is good before you present it to a larger platform with a big audience. And sixth, the sixth lesson is to create entrepreneurs. CrossFit brought a lot of people to fitness. It brought a lot of people increased fitness. But what it did and is not celebrated yet nearly often enough was it created over 40,000 entrepreneurs. These were first time owners of any business who were passionate fitness professionals who loved the CrossFit method so much that they opened up their own gym. There was no working model of how to be successful in the CrossFit gym business at the time. There was no uh, even you know, group of forerunners to serve as a model of success. Nobody had done the CrossFit model for a decade when most affiliates were signing up. It was still a, a very new practice, but they jumped on board because they loved the method so much, they believed that they could just figure it out. And over time, unfortunately, many of these failed. You know, by some estimates, over half of them fail. But here's the thing about entrepreneurship that you and I know. Once you're an entrepreneur, you stay an entrepreneur. Maybe you don't own your first business anymore, right? Very few of us do. Maybe your first business was a paper route and now you own a telecoms company. Maybe your first business was mowing grass and now you own a restaurant. Maybe your first business was owning a gym and now you have a real estate practice, whatever. Most people, after they become an entrepreneur, stay an entrepreneur. And that was Greg's greatest gift was that he created tens of thousands of new entrepreneurs. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know how passionate I am about creating and promoting entrepreneurship because that is what grows our nation's economies. Not the politicians, not the policies, not the laws, not the stimulus programs. Entrepreneurship grows economies. And that's what Greg did. It's very easy for a politician say, to say that they're growing an economy or that they're promoting entrepreneurship. It's easy for a college or a university to start an entrepreneurial diploma program, but none of those people actually inspire somebody to go out, quit their job, take out a $20,000 loan, lie to the bank about what it's for, start a business with no customers, right? Greg did that. And starting entrepreneurship was an amazing lesson for me. If I can give people the opportunity to become entrepreneurs, that's what I want to do. If I can give my staff the opportunity to be more entrepreneurial, then that's what I want to do. And ultimately, that's what lifts everyone. 
It lifts my brand. It lifts their lifestyle. It lifts my client's experience. And it lifts our local economies by creating more entrepreneurial opportunities. That's one of the goals of this podcast. Now, look, I've got a seventh lesson here because people who knew Greg knew that Greg was not infallible, that Greg had many quirks that some people really disagreed with. In fact, there are passionate haters of Greg out there. And I can understand everybody's perspective here. Having worked with him, I saw many sides of him. But the seventh lesson is that there's a myth out there that you should never meet your heroes because you're going to be disappointed. That's in many cases very true. But the lesson is this, meet your heroes anyway. Understand that nobody is perfect. While you might be exposed to you know, your favorite rock stars lyrics and you think they're a musical god and then you see what they're like in their whole life and you're like, wow, the bubble is burst, I hate that person. What you need to understand is that you, you can learn from people who are imperfect. None of us are perfect. And if you can learn these lessons and, and hold them close to you and the lessons change your life, you know, maybe that's enough. And you can still appreciate that without being enamored or starstruck by the person forever. And so I think, you know, Greg might disagree, might even agree with me in saying that like, when you have somebody who makes a difference in your life, you don't have to love everything about them. You can take the things that you do love, understand the impact that they're creating in your life and hold on to those things without discarding everything. So that's the seventh lesson that I learned from Greg Glassman. And what I hope that you get out of this episode is a little perspective or a little nugget that you can take away. One thing about Greg is like he did take a very basic idea of more intense exercise. He combined a bunch of different schools of thoughts like kettlebells and weightlifting and calisthenics and gymnastics and even cycling for a while. And he built them into a new product. He didn't invent kettlebells. He didn't invent weightlifting or gymnastics. He didn't take anybody to the Olympics or go to the Olympics himself. But what he did was packaged a program with clarity, built a massive media empire around it, and focused on changing the lives of his clients. And if you learn nothing else from the CrossFit experiment and the CrossFit example, I hope that's what sticks with you. And I hope that's what they teach in business schools in the next 30 years. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I had a great time recording this episode for you, and I hope that you took away a model that you can use today. Hopefully, you got a lot of valuable takeaways that will inspire you to take action and see new results in your business. Don't forget to take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review the show. That's the best way to show your support and help us get the word out. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at businessisgood.com.